Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 347. We're talking my heritage through my food with Caroline Glover of Annette Scratch to Table in Aurora, Colorado. This is part of the ongoing series with In the Weeds Menu Meeting Fall 2021. Uh, In the Weeds is an organization, a national organization focused on the hospitality industry, the physical, financial, and mental health of workers across the industry. So it fits, obviously, you know, right in with the mission that we have at Best Served to amplify the worth and work of those who feed their community. And so this series menu meeting is really kind of twofold. We're trying to understand the future of this industry. So a menu meeting is when a restaurant sits down and talks about what's going to be the menu, what's happening in the next service. We're thinking about what's happening in the next iteration of this industry, excuse me. And so menu meeting is thought leaders, it's change agents, it's future builders for this industry. And uh, L Jarvis from In the Weeds and everybody we're getting to interact with, Caroline included, are absolutely among those that are going to lead this industry forward. So no further ado, I want to bring Caroline in uh, to talk with us. Caroline, good to see you. Good to see you. At the restaurant. So you're 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 prepping. Yep. Just doing a quick little show, no big deal. Back to work in the kitchen. Can appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, for sure. For anybody who doesn't know, give them a, a little bit of Annette. How long have you been around? Kind of what's the trajectory? What's the uh, ethos at Annette? Yeah, so we will be five um, in February, which feels kind of crazy. Um, I feel like a hundred. It's like an old timer in restaurants. It five is. Years is it forever. is. When you hit five years, I kind of feel like you're like, okay, I've been here for a minute. So, um, you know, we're small wood fired. Um, you know, pretty small staff. My, my biggest thing here is trying to create an atmosphere where everybody's equal, everybody makes equal pay. Um, and that's like, that's something that I'm really stuck on right now, which would probably be a whole nother conversation about, um, where this industry is going. We're trying to figure out how do we make this not, how do we make this a profession? Um, and not just a place for people to, um, have a second job while they work on something they love. So I feel like that's kind of, um, that's where we are right now. We have like a lot of irons in the fire trying to figure out how do we make this a sustainable job for us and for our employees. Yeah, which feeds right into, you know, in the weeds mission of that financial health and physical and mental as well. But the financial health of workers, because, yeah, we all come into this industry pretty young on average, like 17 for me, people 14, 15, 16, you hear all those stories. And, and we treat it like it's an entry level job forever. Like we never get yep. out of that mentality. And so I appreciate that you're trying to build that. And that's a huge challenge because you're pushing against against generations of preconceived notions and business models built to subjugate ourselves within the model that we've built. So I can appreciate the challenges there. Uh, what's, what's the culture like that you're building there? We're going to talk about heritage because that's a big part of what's happening with the dinner uh, that we're kind of alluding to here. But you're building culture and that's not just something you you 
you put on a wall somewhere that like looks sexy you have to actually live it how are you living it what's it like being a part of the team there what's the the mental physical and financial health of the team like there yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing with our equal pay is just trying to kind of break down the barrier between front and back of the house and right. just kind of break down that animosity or, um, you know, feelings of self-worth, you know, like I'm not, uh, I'm not making as much as a server, but I'm working harder than a server or vice versa. So that was like, that's been our main goal. And also a big part of working in a net is, we're kind of okay so there's been a bunch of conversation about you know saying that we're a family we're a family but like it's a dysfunctional family so mm. my my mentality is less of we're a family more of we're a workplace and we want you to come and work and we want to pay you to work and we want you to go home and we want you to have your life and that's not to say that you know you can't have friends here but we're pretty anti everybody hanging out drinking all of that like we're really trying to create an right. atmosphere where this is a job and I will do anything for you, you know, like I'll bail you out. I'll, I'll do what I can. But at the end of the day, it's it's not necessarily a family because that's a really messed up family, you know? Yeah, there's familial tendencies. Totally. There's strong bonds. There's yep. lifelong bonds. We we have those, those bonds for sure. Uh, no family member ever laid you off because of a pandemic. No family right. member, right? So it's, it yeah. is different. And, and I yeah. think we... We conflate them sometimes, and uh, and that's an issue for sure that we need to reconcile with. And it's part of we prey on that passion that we have yeah. to love food, love hospitality, love those family ties because so many of us were misfits, right? We were outcasts. Yeah. We didn't quite fit in. We didn't want the nine to five. We found this, but now we've become the nine to five in a very different way. Like we have to reconcile with the fact that we became the establishment. How do we now do something different than what we put ourselves through? because we thought it was the only way that you could do this industry. And the reality is we're being called on our bullshit and you're changing it. And a lot of people are resistant to that. So I, I'm grateful totally. for the leadership. And I know how, I know how fucking hard it is for you to do that. Like the other yeah. way is simpler. <laughs> it's the, way the, easier if you can just ply people with alcohol and like this makes right. up for a shitty day. Right. And let's go out. But it's just not, it's not, it's not, not sustainable. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. And I just, you know, I look at all these ads that are like, we're a family, join our family. And I'm like, I just mm. don't know if that's the right message necessarily. Yeah. Like we're a business, we'll pay you and we'll provide, um, you know, a healthy working space. And that's, that's what we can do. Yeah. We got to have those workplaces worth working. We got to invest in wages, benefits, culture, and education. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise you're just going to have this transient nature. And I'm seeing numbers now of what turnover rates are and the rolling 12 month turnover rate. And it's, it's dismal. And I understand yeah. it's not, people don't want to work. They just don't want to work at restaurants. We've been exposed. Yeah. And so we have to do something different. And I appreciate kind of what you're doing and this kind of uh, coming together of, of thinkers and leaders in the industry is really important, which is why I'm so passionate about this campaign that we're doing within the weeds and having you involved when uh when it went from being an in-person events uh aspen food and wine we're all excited at in-person events now we're back to a virtual world yeah. which best served we love because that's where we exist but it's, it's it's a challenge and uh and now we're doing these virtual heritage dinners right across all time zones which i'm really excited about and the people that i've been meeting who are doing these dinners and doing content across this four week campaign have been really inspiring. Talking to, to Katina Smith, chef cat out in Baltimore, Cicely Sierra in 
Brooklyn. We're talking to Nick and Chai in in Chicago, or excuse me, Detroit. Jasmine in Chicago, like really great leaders in the industry uh, who are coming together to to bring this heritage dinner. And we're able to have all these different cities represented, different time zones represented. So very cool. So let's get into some details about what you specifically are doing. So yourself and Frasca, Carlin from Frasca. Uh, came together and are working on uh, this heritage menu October 24th link in the comments make sure you go check out uh, that dinner for sure you will be able to pick up their meal kit from you be able to kind of cook alongside you there'll be a, a zoom kind of uh, meal together that everybody's is uh, having together hear some stories banter and uh, and that's kind of what people can expect so first off for you Kind of that platform. It's hard when we're so used to having face to face and butts and seats. What's been maybe the the struggle, maybe some of the fun that you've had with playing with this idea of the menu that you developed for this dinner? Give us a little uh, behind the scenes of coming up with this dinner. I think I like really struggled with this because honestly, I have not ever been super interested in my heritage because I'm just like I'm just like a white person, right? Like there's oh. nothing interesting. We all come from you know. Europe or like what, you know, like, so I haven't been into it. So that was the first step. I called my parents. I'm like, okay, I don't know much about my heritage. What, what is it? And that is insane that I'm 35 years old and I have never had that conversation. And my dad sent wow. me all this stuff. He was like, oh my gosh. Okay. You know? And so wow. that was, that was kind of crazy to me. This kind of made me actually look into who I was because I've just, I don't know. Sometimes when you're in a kitchen and you're working with people with different ethnicities, I'm always jealous because I'm like, oh, like, you know how to cook that cuisine. And that's what you grew up. And like, that's amazing. And those are so many flavors. I don't know. And you know how to do that. So I felt like I've never been able to bring much to the table in that sense. So that was the first hurdle for me. Um, let's stay there it, for a second. Let, <laughs> let's stay there. That is one of the most incredible things I've heard. You are somebody, James Beard finalist, uh, have an amazing restaurant and have done it for five years, have gotten all the accolades. The food is incredible. The service is incredible. You're changing the business model. And you had to take a moment of pause and kind of reflect on your own heritage, your own personal and family trajectory and your culture and all that. I think that's amazing, you know, like that you were kind of forced to go yeah. and, and reflect and look at this through this this lens of this campaign, it's only going to give you more depth and expression. To your point, you just ran towards your ability uh, versus your own culture and heritage because you didn't think you had it. But now you do to, to whatever degree. So what did you learn about that? I'm, I love that dad yeah. got hyped up and was excited oh my to God, share my with dad you. was <laughs> so psyched. And I think, you know, I think like my cooking now, it's it's more of like how I grew up, you know, it's the Texan, it's the mom cooking, but have never really dug into where things come from. And it came back that mostly British um, okay. and German and Irish. So those are the three. And I think I saw, so I used to work for April Bloomfield, who's British. And I just remember when I started working in her kitchen, I, it was food that I had never really had before, but also I felt, I was like, this is my food. This is, I am obsessed mm. with this food. And I just thought that was really cool when I saw that we are predominantly British and I felt have felt so connected to that type of cuisine since working for April and it definitely shows up in my food um, and definitely. So I knew I was a little bit German and this came because I was trying to think through everything. So whenever I don't want to do something, I push it to the side. This heritage thing was hard for me. 
I just like didn't, I didn't know much about my heritage. I wasn't into it. And so I kept pushing it to the side. And I was thinking about like the one time, like I know I'm some German because I had a piano teacher who I said, I did something horrible. I don't know what it was in piano class. And she was like, you are German. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, maybe a little bit strong-willed, but um, it's been super interesting. And it's it's made me kind of look at my food and like, do, 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 I, do I gravitate towards a certain type of cuisine without even knowing it? Um, right. Is it in me? You know, is it something that even though it's so distant, is it something that I still have in me? And that's been a really interesting, um, it's been a deep dive for me and oh, it's been great. This is, this is amazing. I am so pumped about this because this is what it's all about. <laughs> it's about finding those stories because the story is what's always going to separate anybody from the food that they cook right and we talk a lot about like food is just the proof that you are who you say you are and you found another layer of depth of who you are your food is only going to get better i'm i'm so excited about this i can't wait to come you let me know when you've got a couple dishes you're like this <laughs> yeah. this is my heritage on a plate i'm there in a heartbeat yeah. because that's going to speak volumes because you have you have all of the ability, you have all of the swagger to be able to bring that to fruition. Now you have this depth of something, something personal, even vulnerable, because maybe you, you, you ran away from it. You didn't want to be the white girl from Texas. And yep. so you found something different, right? And then working for April, was that Spotted Pig? They worked yeah. for April, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're doing things and you're experiencing bone marrow and trotters and pasties and like stuff like that, which are interesting things that I know that they're known for. And so, oh, I'm excited about this. All right. Now I got to yeah. know what's, <laughs> what's on this menu. What did you decide, you know, was kind of your foray into the next, the next evolution of your heritage on the plate? What, what are some of these yeah. dishes? Yeah. So I think like it was really important that I kept my style of cooking with, with this type of heritage food. And so, mm -hmm. um, the first course, I never got into bitter greens until working for April and I'm obsessed with them. And I even started researching, you know, and like looking at different menus for different restaurants in London and all across the UK. And it's just bitter greens constantly. And it's kind of like in your face, a little abrasive, right. you know, it goes with the, it goes with the, the weather, you know, like I, I just, I imagine, you know, gloomy yeah. eating bitter greens. It's, it's harsh and cold and rainy yep. and gray. Like, yeah. 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 And a lot I of times the bitter greens get brazed down to they're no longer green. They're some right. other kind of color. Yeah. yeah. And they're not bitter anymore. And, yeah. um, you know, I think people like say British food's boring, but I, I totally disagree. I think, um, you know, they, they use a lot more things in their most simplest form. Um, and so the first is, is a bitter green, a charred bitter green salad. So you bring some of the wood fire to it, um, anchovy and Parmesan classic, and then um, creme fraiche because they use quite a bit of cream. And, you know, there's clotted cream, there's creme fraiche, there's all of that. Yep. So it's just going to be kind of like a bitter, charred, um, garlicky salad. Um, which yeah, I'm psyched about. I'm I'm super into that because that's also a great way to start. Bitter gets you salivating, right? Yep. So it like really gets you going a little bit. So starting with bitter is great. You got yeah. you got the, you got the dairy. I'm sure you'll have lots of acid. You and I talk about acidity. Yep. Food is always the thing we feel is missing. Your food always has that intensity of acidity. So that's a perfect perfect way to start. And and for you, so so your style of cooking, you're really into like vibrancy, you're really into texture, you're you're really into contrast. 
but from a minimalist standpoint, you don't need 14 yeah. touches to have so much contrast that your face melts off. So, yeah. so I really, really like that. Uh, how did you? How are you grappling with the fact that those greens will be stewed down to mushy nothing in in some kind of fat is typically what you're doing. How, how do how do you say? Okay, I'm going to take that dish and turn it in what you did. Like, how do you give us a little bit of insight into kind of your lens of how you take mushy brownish green fatty you know bitter greens and turn them into something like a, a charred vibrant salad with the you know acidity and, and and nuance to it i think it's like still appreciating those mushy greens that are cooked in fat you know that's like so something good <laughs> i love yeah like that's delicious and that's something on its own but it's also just taking a lighter perspective to it you know i think mm. a lot of times i look at my favorite dishes things i grew up with or things that i love but also, and then wanting to turn them just a little bit brighter, a little bit more complex. And I think a lot of times I break it down. You know, I pull out like what what's in these things, what's in this dish, and then kind of deconstruct it and then put it back together in a different way, you know? And it's like, I don't want to manipulate things too much. And I think that's one of the biggest mm -hmm. things. I like um, it. And, and you're also representing all those elements. You just didn't stew it in fat you are adding the fat the dairy at the end so you still get that suppleness the richness uh you get it in a different way so i can totally appreciate that all right what's next i'm hungry now what's what's coming yeah. second course? okay so the next one i'm really excited about because we actually just put a version of this on our menu at annette and um so it's a pork schnitzel and i i have like have never been a schnitzel person and now i'm Ooh. obsessed with schnitzel like i can't I can't get enough of it. I'm obsessed with how it cooks and like the it, crunchy panko versus, you know, like regular bread flour. It's just, it's because so you're just nerding out on schnitzel. These mm -hmm. days. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with it. So mm, big fan. And that goes what, with the what, German. What cut you know? do you like? Uh, so you're doing a classic kind of pork schnitzel, breaded, yep. fried. Yep. Uh, are you, what cut are you using? What do you like for that? So we use the loin for yeah. it. Um, pound it out. We brine it for about 48 hours. Um, and then we do panko for ours, which is not traditional. Sure. Um, so, you know, we've had, so we, so we've actually had two tables of Germans come and eat here since we put the schnitzel on the menu. And Ooh. one table was obsessed with like the crunchy that comes from the panko. And the other table was like, it was good, but like, this is not, but that's not, not my type of schnitzel, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, we also serve it with like really acidic pickles and not necessarily what you would serve it with in Germany. Um, so that is second course and it cooks beautifully. Like I'm excited for people to cook this at home. Um, cause we'll bread it. And then, um, it's a pan sear and butter, which is the best. And it's so easy. And I feel like sometimes that's like, you just need to recognize how easy it is to do something to make something, you know, so beautiful because it will, it will come out beautifully for everybody. And I'm excited about that. Oh, I like a couple things about what you just said. Number one, building up confidence for people to feel like they can cook themselves, feel comfortable in ingredients and techniques is, is a super important thing because then they also have more appreciation for going to a restaurant and go, wow, I know how hard this could be or how easy it is, whatever that might be. Also, yeah. the fact that you're having to think about like, yeah, you have a team of badasses who know how to cook these, you know, 36 times in, a, in an evening. You're having to go into somebody's home. How do they cook with butter? How do they not set off the fire alarm and still have a super crispy, nice, you know, like nice brown color to it, whatever that is. So yeah. it's challenging you as a chef to think about the home cook, which we're pretty removed from when you're in a professional kitchen. It's just different. You're not cooking yeah. the same. 
at all. So I can appreciate the challenge that you face there. Uh, what else are you serving with the with the schnitzel? So with the schnitzel, I'm obsessed with a beer. We make a beer mustard sauce here with pickled mustard seeds. So it just kind of pops in your mouth and it's a little bit spicy, kind of goes up your nose and it's amazing. And then the braised greens are coming into play. So we're going to have braised bitter greens. So you're going to start the meal with, you know, a different flavor and texture of this green and then experience it in a different way. Um, and see how it goes with something else. So I, I love kind of that contrast. Okay, I like that. So you're you're showing the nuance within an individual dish of a certain ingredient. You're trying to also show the nuance now of the greens, because that is your deepest obsession, clearly, with yeah. with your heritage uh, and bringing that to, to play as well. Okay, I'm into it. I like everything yeah. that you're saying right now. All right, what's the third course? <laughs> okay, the dessert. This is near and dear to my heart. Um, it's a banoffee pie, which is a British dessert, and wow. it is. We made it at the Spotted Pig, and I—I I mean, it is my most favorite dessert in the whole entire world. And so it's like—it's um, like a shortbread crust, and then um, sweetened condensed milk that's been cooked down. So basically, dos de leche, bananas, yep. and then whipped cream, and then shaved chocolate on top. And it's just like—it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, that. That is a very uncom even like even in the like the British Isles, that's like uh that's like grandma food, right? It totally, totally. Yeah. And I love that the spotted pig was a Michelin starred restaurant and we were serving banoffee pie. Like I I loved it. And people love it. You know, it's like bananas and chocolate and cream and dulce leche and just all mashed together. It's it's good. Yeah, yeah. When I've had it, it's kind of like uh if if banana pudding and a cream pie, uh, you know, got together, it's like got that that dynamic to it. A lot of times, it's like really really overripe bananas as well yep. that I've yeah. had, so they have that kind of like mushy, almost they're already turning into pudding in and of themselves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm really into this. So. October 24th again, everybody. Uh, link in the comments. Go and and check out this dinner 100%. You'll be able to pick up uh, your dinner, the meal kits. Everybody will kind of cook together. You'll be on a, on a virtual hangout just like this with uh, dozens of other people around the city uh, enjoying this. Caroline, I'm sure will be telling stories just like this about the heritage. Get even deeper into each of these as they're tasting these dishes. Uh, what are you... Uh, what are you hoping that anybody who has this meal takes away of a deeper understanding of you and your heritage? What do you hope that they kind of have as a takeaway besides having an amazing, delicious meal with like a great, you know, experience with everybody? What are you hoping they learn about you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that I think my style of cooking will come through obviously these dishes. And I think, I think something, and I said at the beginning, I've kind of been like, I'm a white mutt. I don't really care. You know, like everybody's Irish, German and British or whatever. And so I, I hope that other people that try this meal can kind of view it in a different light, you know, mm. that it doesn't have to be um, just one type of food or one type of story that it can have little spins on it. It can have, you know, it can still reflect who you are, even if it's something that you aren't, you know, necessarily looking for. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just feel like, this menu took me a minute because I didn't want to just do this type of food um, uh, because it's, it's it's expected of me, you know, like being a white right. person. 
And so I think that I hope that people can try it. And if that is part of their heritage, too, that they find a, deep, a deeper appreciation and recognize that it doesn't have to be heavy. It doesn't have to be this or that. You can really bring your own to to your heritage. Yeah, especially the three cultures that, that you're talking about uh, are foundational in a lot of what American food in big, big quotations is. And so it's become homogenized very like vanilla or plastic and and they are the base of so many like canned and frozen this and that so how yep. can they have depth and meaning and culture in them if they're just like the the hungry man frozen meal that people have had for multiple generations how can that be meaningful and exciting so i appreciate the challenge for you to go through that and yeah i'm excited about this i'm so happy uh Let's make sure that your dad is on the dinner because I would love your dad to be able to tell everybody the story of whatever he was introducing you to. Because, uh, you know, when you become a parent, all of a sudden you think of legacy in a different way, having yeah. a couple of young, young kids. And like now he's like, oh, Caroline is finally embracing a legacy that I've been trying to get her to do 23andMe or Ancestry for so long. And trying yeah. to teach her and she didn't care because she ran away from being the the white bread texas girl and wanted yeah. to, to be this cultured chef right and and that meant you had to do something different than what you came up on and now you're saying maybe there's a little bit something there so dad yeah. for you thanks for the work that you do to, uh, <laughs> to help inspire caroline with uh with culture and heritage so caroline appreciate you let's let's get you back to work uh, thank you so much for taking some time yeah sounds good thank you all right. Bye. Cheers. All right, everybody. That is it for this episode. Caroline Glover, one of the best in the industry, not only unbelievably talented when it comes to food and selfishly so simpatico in the way that uh, I appreciate food and the way that she cooks. Also, what they're doing at Annette with with equal pay and just shifting the mindset and the culture of the the poor history that we've had in this industry. Very grateful for that leadership. Once again, October 24th, Sunday, October 24th. And in the comments, you'll be able to find the link. Go check out the Virtual Heritage Dinner, which is also in cities across the country. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, in Brooklyn, Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, New Orleans, uh, Oakland, Denver, those are just the ones that I can remember off the top of my head. They are all over. L. Jarvis and In the Weeds are doing an amazing job of bringing heritage to the forefront, bringing the conversation around menu meeting to the forefront. That is it for this episode, everybody. Once again, what was this? 346, Best Served Podcast, 346, My Heritage Through My Food with Caroline Glover, 347. Uh, I can't count. I'll leave that to smarter people than me. Uh, amazing episode. Please, everybody, tune in to all of the content we have coming out through menu meeting, you know us, we're omnipresent. We got video casts, clubhouse, articles, memes, Instagram takeovers, TikTok videos. We're everywhere that you are communicating with you about what's important to us in the hospitality industry, those workplaces worth working, the stories that are the foundation of who we are and our heritage. That's it. Appreciate you all. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.